Well, what's up? How y'all doing? Some of you are like, Daggum, Cliff, I came to church to be uplifted, and you started off in a cemetery, right? <laughs> Psalm 39, 4 and 5 says this, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You make my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. We're going to talk about for the next four weeks, starting today and the three weeks that follow, we're going to talk about the fact that life here is limited. And that's kind of the verse we're going to use to jump off every week, Psalm 39:45, and the end part where it says, each man's life is but a breath. There was a song that came out several years ago, Live Like You Were Dying, remember that? You go skydiving, rocky mountain climbing, you know that, that song, that was an awesome song. I remember, I remember listening to it in my truck, first heard it, and I'm like crying, riding down the road, you know, thinking about people I need to go talk to and stuff. But it's a, it's a good thought to think about. What if, what if you had one month? Because you really might have one month. You don't know. Our life is but a breath. We live as if we've got forever, but, but we might not. We, we don't know when it's, when it's coming. And, and a lot of times we'll do all we can to avoid that thought. We'll do all we can to, to not think about a place like a cemetery where I was in that video or, or to, to not think about the day you're going to die. And, and a, lot of, a lot of times, especially, you know, little girls growing up, they spend their whole lives like planning their wedding, but, but only like psychopaths spend their whole life planning their funeral because we don't like to think about the fact that we're going to die one day. We try to avoid that. But even as we try to avoid it, things will happen from time to time in life that bring our mortality just to the focus. It, it, things will happen. Stu- stuff will happen to friends or you'll lose, you'll lose someone unexpectedly or tragically and all of a sudden you realize, wow, life is, life is short. For me, uh, several few years ago that happened for me when I got a call from one of my best friends and a guy, he, he's my longest friend that I'm still in touch with and grew up with him and we were uh, friends in high school, friends in college and talked to him on the phone at least once a week. And uh, he called me a few years ago, and he said, he said, man, I got cancer. And, uh, and, and I mean, it just blew me away. He, here he was in his late 30s. Everything seemed to be healthy with him. And, uh, and, and he went through the whole process, and thankfully, through a long process and, and heavy-duty treatments and doing the deal where they take your bone marrow out and put the radiation right in it and put it back in and all that whole deal, he is now cancer-free. But through that process... You know, I would be talking to him just about every day and, and you know, and going, just kind of living through that with him. And, and it, was, it just made it very aware that, that life is short for all of us. And for me with him, it was the situation that I realized if he passed away or if I passed away, there's so many connections that we have to things way back in the past that there's really no one else I could pick up the phone and talk to about those things if he was gone. And it, and it just brought it home to me that this life, that we all live thinking we've got forever, it's not going to last forever. Ecclesiastes 8.8 says, No man has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the day of his death. I've got a picture of a tombstone here, uh, and I want you to see this. Now, uh, I don't know if you can read that, but it, uh, we found this tombstone out in the graveyard we were at. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I just made up my own tombstone here for fun. And uh, the, the part at the bottom is what I would hope 
we, people would want to put on my tombstone that I was the personification of awesomeness. But I'm thinking I'm probably going to fall kind of short of that. But, uh, but if you'll notice on the tombstone, what you've got is you've got dates under my name. And the first date is obviously the day I was born, June 19th, 1969, right? All, about a month before the moon landing, and I came into this world with a head full of black hair, and, and here I was. And then I, I made up my death date. Uh, I, chose not, I chose 2049 because I figured that's 80 years. And, uh, and, and, and you're probably wondering, all right, how'd you come up with November 23rd? The Carolina-Clemson game is always played kind of at the end of November, and I just have this dream, this, this, this I, I imagine what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be watching that game, and one of our quarterbacks, whoever it is then, is going to do something stupid like they always do and throw an interception, we'll lose the game, and I'll die of a heart attack and die in anger over a stupid football game. That'll probably what happen to me. But if you look at this date, you've got my birth date and you've got my death date, but what is in between there? There's a dash. And all of us... Uh, none of us can control our birthday. You, you had absolutely nothing to do with the day you were born. You came into this world and it was totally out of your control when you were going to show up. And you don't know when you're going to die. It's going to happen one day and, and it's, that is also out of your control. But that dash in between our birth date and our death date, that dash on the tombstone, that is where real life happens. And that is something that you have control over. And so when we look, when, when Chris and I were filming that, that uh, um, uh, spot out in the cemetery the other day, and I was just walking around, and I was looking at, at dates, and, and I noticed there was one tombstone of, of a baby who had, who had died, about three months old. It was back in the early 1900s, and this, this little child only lived about three months. Then Chris saw one where there was a woman who died just recently, but her husband had died 50 years before her. And that, that she had lived 50 years as a widow. And we were just noticing, and there were some dates, you know, on, the, on those tombstones, there were some dates that were people had been here a long time, and some dates people had been here a very short amount of time. And, and when we go to a cemetery, we get caught up into, ooh, look how old this person was or how young this person was. But the, what really matters, the date of birth and the date of death, they had no control over. But what they could control was what happened in the middle. What they did during that dash. And so today I want us to talk about living the dash what will we do until that day comes until the day of our death shows up what are you going to do how are you going to live that dash because that's where all your decisions that's where all your directions that's where all that stuff comes into play is during the time that you're here and i want to read a passage of scripture from romans chapter 13 so if you've got your bibles romans is in the new testament that's the second part of the Bible, if you've got one. And uh, it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, and then Romans. Romans is a pretty big book. It should be pretty easy to find. Romans chapter 13. If you don't have a, a Bible, you can, um, you can follow along on the screen. I'm going to read these verses here, and then we're going to talk about living the dash. Romans 13, starting with verse 8 says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. 
And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The first thing I think that we can learn and and we need to focus on when it comes to living the dash is that we need to live with a sense of urgency. We need to live with a sense of urgency. Verse 11 there in Romans 13, it says this, And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The, the language that's used there is the language of urgency. Wake up from your slumber. It, it's like, um, I know probably this has happened to all of you at some point. You ever had a situation where you slept late and you didn't mean to sleep late? You, you thought you set the alarm and you thought you turned it on, and, or maybe you did turn it on, but you had that a.m., p.m. mix-up where you thought you were setting the alarm for 6 a.m., but you were setting it for 6 p.m., and then you wake, something wakes you up, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, my goodness, I'm late, and you're jumping up, and you're doing stuff. That's when I read this, this verse 11 where he says, wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It reminds me of that, that sense of it's time to get up. It's time to do something. It's time to take some action and get out of this deep sleep that we're in. And when it says there in verse 11, when it says, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed, it's talking about the day of our death. And you might be saying, wait a minute, Cliff, salvation is when I got saved. Salvation is when I finally gave my life to Jesus and I believed in the cross and I believed in the resurrection and I prayed and I asked him to forgive my sins. That's salvation. Yes, that's when your salvation began. But your salvation day will be completed on the day of your death. And so when Paul says here, your salvation is nearer than it's ever been, what he's saying is, you're closer today than to the day of your death than you've ever been before. Because our salvation is a process, okay? It's, it's, like, a, it's like a verb with a past, present, and future tense. I'll give you just a little short, free theology lesson. You don't even have to go to seminary for this today. But when the day that you ask Christ to come into your life, and, and, you, and you, 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 he, he transforms you at that moment and forgives you of your sin. The Bible calls that, that's the day you were justified. That's called justification. Because you were sinful, you were messed up, you, you had no hope for yourself. And Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, he justifies you. He, he justifies uh, you as a person and now you can be saved. Now your salvation's not finished. The next step is what happens to us right now. After you accept Christ, the next step that the Bible calls it is called sanctification. And what that is is daily understanding who Jesus is. Growing in Him. The Holy Spirit is transforming you little by little. You're being sanctified. But then your salvation will not be complete for any of us until the day we die and we see Jesus face to face. And the Bible calls that glorification. That when we see Jesus, the scripture says that when we see Jesus face to face, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. So that day when, when, when you finally leave this earth and, and you open your eyes and you're walking into the gates of heaven, you're going to be glorified and your salvation is going to be complete. So when Paul says here, wake up from your slumber, your salvation day is closer than it's ever been before, he's saying 
you're, about, you're, you're getting closer to the day of your glorification for, for when it's, when it's going to finally be over. Your time on this earth is over with and you're going to be in heaven. So what are you going to do now during the time you're being sanctified? What are you going to do now as you live day to day, going to work, going to school, being in your neighborhood, driving back and forth? What are you going to do while you're, all in, while you're in this time understanding that the days are growing short for you? There's a dangerous word. It's, it's just a normal word, but it can be a dangerous word. And that word is someday. We can live so much talking about what we're going to do someday that we never really do anything today. We can talk about how, well, well someday, uh, someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my relationship with my kids right and I'm going to quit spending so much time at work and, and actually try to, to get to know my kids. Someday... Uh, I, I'm going to get serious about my relationship with Jesus and really, really read the Bible and try to understand what He wants me to do. Someday I'm going to find a place to serve in my church or in my community and do something to help someone else. Someday I'm going to I'm going to fix this situation with my husband or my wife, and I'm really going to work on being a better husband or a better wife. Someday I'm going to do this. Someday I'm going to do that. And someday can can be a very dangerous word because someday will never come because we live in today. Now, now let, me, let me caution us against one thing. When I talk about living with a sense of urgency, let me tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about living faster or busier lives, okay? Because I, I have this feeling that if, that if we really had one month to live, that, that we would probably slow down a lot instead of speeding up. We'd probably take more time to do things that, that, are, that are quieter and with people than we do with, with always moving around and trying to do more and more. Psalm 118, 24 says this. This is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We've got today. And we can talk about someday or we can talk about what we did a long time ago, but the question is, what are we doing today? You know, sometimes I think that we can, um, we, can, we can spend so much time looking ahead or looking in the past that we miss out. Now, I believe in planning for the future, and I believe in honoring the past, but we live in today. And if, if, we, if we spend all our time planning for the future, or we spend all our time honoring the past, We'll miss out on what God has for us today. Just uh, just a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine here in the church lost a good friend who he had been friends with his whole life. And this, this man was 42 years old, had a wife, three kids, successful businessman. I mean, just had the life that, that all of us want. He was a strong follower of Jesus. He was, he was constantly doing things for other people. He was doing mission trips and trying to get people together to help other folks. And at age 42, he comes home from work one day, and he's sitting in the floor playing with his, his child who's less than a year old. And he tells his wife that he doesn't feel exactly right, and he passes away right there in the middle of the living room floor, 42 years old. I'm sure that if someone had asked him earlier that day, hey, what do you got going on? He didn't. He'd have thought that he was going to be here another 20 years. If you ask me today, what are you going to do in the future? Man, I can tell you things I want to do 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. But I don't know if I'm going to be here. 
We've got to live with a sense of urgency, understanding the fact that our days can be numbered. The second thing is we need to live with a sense of priority. We need to live with a sense of priority. Romans 13, 12, look back at that. After, you know, verse 11 said, wake up from your slumber. Salvation is nearer now than we first believed. And then the next verse says this, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, if we're going to live with a sense of urgency, understanding that we have limited time on this earth, we've got to couple that with a sense of priority. Because if you live with a sense of urgency without a sense of priority, you're going to end up doing a bunch of selfish stuff just for you. I I started thinking about myself. I said, what if I knew I had 30 days to live, but I lived with a sense of urgency without a sense of priority? You know one of the things I would probably do? And I know you're not like me. You're much more holy than I am. But just me, it's just me. If I didn't have a sense of priority, I'd probably say, you know what, I'm going to make a list of all the people who've ever talked bad about me. I mean, i got 30 days left to live. What do I care? I'm going to go door to door and start punching people in the face. <laughs> it's going to be amazingly awesome. Hey, you remember what you said about me five years ago? Pow! You know, and just, and just had this dream of people coming through the line to tell Sherry how sorry they're I'm going, and they've all got black eyes where I just cold-cocked them one before they... That would be, if, if we live with a sense of urgency, if we had one month to live and we had no sense of priority, we had no sense of priority at all, we'd end up doing all kind of selfish stuff. We'd think, I've got 30 days, I'm going to try to get in all this stuff that I've always thought I'd wanted to do. And, and so we've got to have a sense of priority if we're going to live with a sense of urgency. And so that's why in verse 13, 12, he says in there, he says that we should put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We're talking about changing behavior. We're talking about setting new priorities and new goals. And, and, and one of the things that's true is that, that, that you never get anywhere by accident in this life. No one ever gets anywhere by accident. Bill Gates didn't just wake up one day and discover, I'm a billionaire that owns the largest software company in the world. That didn't happen by accident. This afternoon, there's going to be two teams that play in the Super Bowl. None of those guys on those teams got to the NFL by accident. A guy who, who is addicted to meth and loses his house and loses his family, he did, that didn't happen to him by accident, no matter what anybody wants to tell you. Decisions are made, paths are followed, and, and we get somewhere for good or for bad by the choices we make. And so we have a choice now. If we understand time here is limited, I've got to live with a sense of urgency, but not just a sense of urgency. I need to set some priorities. My time is limited. What am I going to do? Where do I want to end up? If I only have 30 years left or, or 30 weeks left or 30 days left or 30 minutes left, where do I want to end up before I go? What the kind of things do I want to be doing? And we have to set those priorities and we have to make those decisions and make a choice about which path we're going to go on. Your, your, your priorities will not get set for you by accident. You're going to have to choose them. And let me tell you, it will take hard work to follow through with them. You can think today, and I'm going to, and I'm going to issue a challenge here in just a little bit, and we're going to have a challenge at the end of every message this month, a 30-day challenge. And, and, and when, we, when we do that, you're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you to make some decisions and, and to think about making some changes in your life and your lifestyle. And when you do that, you, it's going to sound good today. But this time next week, it's going to be hard to follow through with it. 
And, and two weeks from now, it's going to even be harder to follow through with it. But if we're going to change our priorities, we've got to set those. We've got to make that decision for ourselves and then work hard at them. Now, I want to I make two suggestions for you. There, there could be all kinds of things that you need to put aside or put on. Remember it said, put aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. Your life, you can probably think right now, okay, this is something I need to put aside. And this is something I need to put on. But I want to make two suggestions that I think kind of can cover a lot of us in here. One thing that that I think we should put aside and one thing that I think we should put on. The first thing is that I think we should put aside is this. We need to put aside the frantic pace and pursuit of the good life. We need to put aside the frantic pace and pursuit of the good life. This is very un-American, what I'm about to tell you here in a minute. Because we live in a country that says, you go as hard as you can, as long as you can, you get as much as you can, and the one with the most toys at the end wins. Let me tell you, the one who dies with the most toys is dead. That's all he is. And he left a bunch of garbage that his family's going to sell at a garage sale is what happened. John 10.10 says this. It says, the, uh, uh, let's see, John 10.10. I, I can quote it, but I want you to, it, is it not in there? All right, that's cool. I'll just quote it for you. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus said. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, when when you accept Christ, you don't just get heaven after this life. You get that. But you also get a great life while you're here. Jesus said, I I didn't come just so that you can go to heaven. I came so that you could also have an amazing life here on earth. That while you're living the dash, that that life here can be full and abundant. But you know what I think? I think that the American lifestyle that most of us live, this frantic go here, go there, get more, get more, get more, I think it robs us of that full, abundant life. I think it does. It, It robs us of that joy that Jesus wants us to, to experience. The pace of life that many of us live at is the enemy of the full life. And a lot of times, we're proud of our busyness. We wear it like a badge of honor. Man, I got so much, how you doing? Man, I got so much going on. I've worked 70 hours last week. Business is so good. I'm raking in money and all that. Kind of, and some of you are like, Cliff, don't you know there's a recession? Okay, that's what you used to say a couple years ago, right? But either way, we're just proud of that. We, what are y'all doing? Man, we, this, this weekend we went here and we went there and I was taking my kid to this place and then we had a practice and then they had a horse lesson and then they had to go dance and then they went here. And we're just running around doing all this stuff and we're proud of it. We think the busier we are, the more important we are. And we like that kind of stuff. And a lot of times our self-image and our self-esteem is even wrapped up in that. And we come home and we feel great if we checked off all this stuff off our to-do list. And, and what we don't realize is, is that a lot of times we're being robbed uh, of that. I, I understand it. I, I understand the feeling. I, I, if I have a day off, if I have a day off and, and I don't do anything on that day off but, but sit and read a book or, or watch something on TV, watch a football game, I start to feel guilty. Man, I had this whole day. I should have been outside like, you know, re-roofing the house or I should have been at least reading a book that I need to read to get ready for a sermon series I'm doing. I, I could have been sending or receiving emails, and I start to feel guilty about that because we're not really good at just relaxing and sitting back. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. And we're not very good at being still. We are constantly pursuing more and more 
and more. And I think that if we knew we had one month to live, we would put aside that frantic pace, put aside that pursuit for more in the good life, and we would slow down a little bit. And let me just say this to parents before I move off of this. Parents, you're right now, we as parents, we're teaching our kids about pace of life, whether we know it or not. And so think about what pace of life you're teaching your kids to have. Are you constantly, do you have 800 activities that they got to do every week so that they can be a well-rounded child? Then you're teaching them about pace of life. And maybe they need to slow down a little bit. And this is just free, and you probably don't want to hear me say it, but your kid is not going to go pro in all four sports they're playing right now. Chances are maybe they need to chill out and, and just play two and then spend the other two days a week playing in the woods or you know, hanging out with you or you teaching them how to cook in the kitchen or whatever it might be. But we're teaching our kids about the frantic pace of life. The second thing, we can put aside the frantic pace and pursue the good life. Now, the thing I think we should put on, if we knew we had one month to live, I think we would put on more of an emphasis on relationships. We would put on more of an emphasis on relationships. I, um, I try to be a good husband and I try to be a good dad. And, um, and that requires listening to do those things. I live in a house with three ladies. There's a lot of listening that needs to go on in my house, right? And, um, and, and so I, I, try to, I try to do that all the time. But sometimes, you know, sometimes it's difficult. I, I might be real tired or whatever, and, and, I, and I think that I'm listening, but I find out I'm not really engaging with what's being said. But you know what? If I knew I had one month to live, I would be hanging on every word. Because those three ladies are the most important people in my life. And, and I, would, I would not want to miss any of that. But we get so involved in other things that, that we tend to push our relationships sometimes to the side. And we focus on other things. But I believe that if we, if we truly live in the dash, if we truly understood that life is limited, that we had one month to live, we would put on more of an emphasis on relationships. We would take more effort into building that. We would spend a better time saying, what does my husband need or my wife need? And learning how to meet that need for them. We would spend time saying, what do these kids that God's blessed me with, what is it that I want them to become? What is it that I want them to learn? And we would spend more time building that. We would spend more time building our relationship with Jesus. Because we would understand that we're going to meet him face to face in a short amount of time. And when we, when we show up, we want to know him the best that we can, so that when we get there, we've spent time in His Word. We've understood what He did while He was on this earth. We understood the grace that He's given us. And so we need to spend time building that relationship as well. I think that if we really knew that life was short, we would put on a much bigger emphasis on our relationships. The thing about it is, is that the stuff that we tend to... Um, the stuff that we tend to put in front of relationships sometimes are more important than relationships. That stuff, all that stuff can wait. It really can. If, if you're thinking, I don't have time to talk to you right now, son or daughter, because the grass needs to be cut. Man, that'll wait. I don't care if it's about to rain that afternoon. You can cut it in a couple of days. Let your neighbors be upset that it's too high. You spent time with your child. Or you're, you get home from, from work and, and your husband or your wife, they, they just need to spend some time talking to you. 
whatever is, needs to be done in the house, the ironing can wait, the, the taxes that need to be done, that can wait unless it's April 14th, then you should have already started on it. But, but all that stuff can wait. That stuff can wait. The things that we tend whatever's on TV, that can wait. They're going to show it again. You can go online and watch it again later. But even if you can't, who cares? That stuff can wait. But relationships can't wait. Those are the things that we've got to focus on today and, and take the time to connect with the people that you love, connect with the people that God has surrounded you with. The, um, the guy that I told you about earlier that recently passed away, 42 years old, suddenly, one of the tragic parts of that story to me is, as my friend was telling me about it, other than the fact that he had a wife and three kids, but one of the tragic things was is this guy had been very successful in business and he had recently sold his business and was working out at the end helping the new people make the transition and he was about 150 days away at age 42 from being able to come home and spend all his time with his three kids. He was that close. God had blessed him financially to the point that he was going to be able to do that. But he had no idea that that wasn't going to happen. And I know that, I know that he was a guy that spent time with his kids and, and spent time with his wife. I know that from talking to my friend. But I guarantee you that if someone had told him, hey, you're not going to make that 150 days, it's not going to happen, he'd have probably dropped it out right then and said, y'all are on your own, I'm going home today. What if you knew that you had one month? What would you do different? Who would you talk to that you haven't talked to in a long time? What would you give up or what would you take on? What kind of time would you spend with the people that you love? So my question to you is, why not start that now? You might only have one month. You might have all kind of months. But what if you did? What would you do different? I told you that at the end of each message, we're going to give you a 30-day challenge. Let me tell you what I want your 30-day challenge to be off of this message. And don't, lose, don't, 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 uh, don't lose me here, okay? Stay with me. 30-day challenge for this, for this message is this. What do you need to either... Put aside or put on. If there's something you need to put aside, then do that for 30 days and see what happens. Maybe for you it's, um, I know none of y'all spend any time on the internet, uh, but maybe for you it's Facebook. You realize you're spending like four hours a day updating status and liking people's stuff and looking at photos on Facebook or whatever it might be. And maybe you realize, you know what, I need to put that aside. It's draining me of my time I could spend. So you're going to put that aside for 30 days. Maybe it's, maybe it's something more of a, a natural habit that we think about. Maybe it's smoking or, or uh, you know, something like that. And you say, I just can't, I can't stop doing it or whatever. Put it aside for 30 days. See what happens at the end of that 30 days. What do you need to put on? What, do you, what, is, what is it that you need to, need to focus on? Maybe, maybe you say, you know what, I need to put prayer into my life. I need to put that on. I need to, to start every morning. Get, but as soon as I get up out of bed, when I'm standing there leaning up, you know, waiting for the hot water to heat up in the shower, trying to keep my head up, that you could say, I'm going to start that day off with prayer and just ask God to, to speak to me and, and bless the day and help me to be the person I need to be. Maybe that's something you need to put on in your life. Maybe you need to put on a bigger emphasis of making sure that you understand who your husband or your wife is. Because one day those kids that live in your house and they spend all your money, 
if they do what they're supposed to, one day they're going to leave. And it's just going to be the two of you, right? And you don't want to look at that woman and say, I think I used to know who you are, but I haven't talked to you in years because there's always been all these other people in the house running around. So maybe you think that's what you need to put on. But decide for yourself, what do you need to put aside or put on for 30 days? And take that 30-day challenge and do that. Now, let me say something to another group of you in here today. There are some of you in here today Remember when I spent all that time talking about justification and sanctification and glorification and I said that when we die, we're going to see Jesus, we're going to be in heaven, we're going to see Him and we're, and we're going to, everything's going to be perfect, we're going to know Him for who He is. Now listen to me. There's some of you in here today that that's not what's waiting for you at the end of death, at the end of this life. Some of you in here today, when you leave this life, you're not going to wake up in heaven and see Jesus you're going to find that you're spending an eternity separated from Jesus in a place called hell. And it's not going to be anything that you want to be a part of. The Scripture describes it as, as a terrible place where there's eternal suffering, not eternal life. And so maybe you don't want to think about your mortality. But I guarantee you, if you had 30 days to live, you would be ready to answer the question, what's going to happen to me after I die? So I want to challenge you to answer that question for yourself today. If you did have 30 days to live, if I told you that 30 days from this moment you, that people were going to be sitting at Wood Mortuary at your funeral, where will you be? Are you going to be in heaven with Jesus? Or are you going to be separated from Him in hell? Because the Scripture says the only way to be with Him in heaven is that we have to accept Jesus as our Savior. We have to acknowledge the fact that He is the only way to heaven. You can't get there by reading the Koran. You can't get there by reading the Book of Mormon. You can't get there by being a Buddhist or anything else. You can only get there through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. And have you accepted that for the forgiveness of your sins? Because if you haven't, you're not going to be in heaven when this is over. And your 30 days to live are going to be the last good 30 days that you'll ever experience. So I want you to bow your heads. Now, as you've got your heads bowed there, if you know that you're not certain about where you're going to be when you leave this earth, I want to tell you not to wait until someday to get it figured out. So if you need today to know for certain where you're going to be and you need to accept Jesus as your Savior... I want you to pray this prayer after me. You can say it out loud if you want to. You can say it quietly or, in the, or silently in your heart. But the, the point is that you have to mean the words and you have to truly do what this prayer says. And so if you want to ask Jesus to come into your life today, if you want to be sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I know that I have sinned and done things wrong. I believe that the only way I can be forgiven is by believing in your death on the cross. By believing in your resurrection from the dead and accepting your cross as the way I can be forgiven. I can't be good enough to get into heaven But your blood 
can make me clean of my sins. I pray that you would do that for me today. I ask you to come into my life and change me. And I promise to live for you the rest of my life. Amen.